Hello, Kieran, and you're welcome to this week's uh, Euro Soccer. How are you? Hey, Aiden. Good to be back on the show. Uh, had some technical difficulties last week. My internet wasn't up for the job. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe it was uh, doing the Sheffield United impression. But uh, good to be back. Glad to be talking a bit of football. And uh, obviously, uh, obviously, we had a big game on the weekend. Didn't uh, that maybe it was a good thing we weren't on because uh, we would have hyped it up to be very exciting. And uh, it was a bit of a bit of a bit of a dead game. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So big game of the weekend, I suppose, was Liverpool versus at home to. Uh, Man United, a nil-nil draw. Some say it was a a drab affair. Others say that Liverpool were all over United. <laughs> I suppose if you were to read the lines, if you were to read between the lines, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, well, that's it. And, uh, you know, a lot of these big games the, between the bigger teams end up being pretty boring in the end, actually. Uh, like we had it. We've had a few big games that were boring enough this week uh, or this season this season I should say uh, but uh, yeah look I think uh, Liverpool started much better they were absolutely all over Man United and they really should have won their front tree is not firing right now I think uh, I think the thing with Liverpool uh, who, I, who I still would call favourites to win the league over Man United I think Man City are the ultimate favourites to win the league but I think Liverpool are second favourites because I don't see Man United sustaining a title challenge, and I'll tell you why now in a minute. But Liverpool, I think it's it's all gone a little bit stale at the moment, and that can happen after winning the winning the Premier League title. It's happened a few times. It's something Alex Ferguson was really good at reinventing player, reinventing teams, moving things around. He 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 was the master at it. He never he never let he never let reputation get in the way of playing the best team. And that's something that Liverpool need to do now. I think, uh, looking at them, look, they, they have an unavoidable injury crisis. They're missing two defenders. That obviously means they're playing two central midfielders in defence. I thought Fabinho was excellent as centre-back. I thought Henderson was decent. He's now the centre-back, though. He shouldn't be, he, like, he wouldn't be playing there if there was another fifth centre-back yeah, in the team. To, to and, get the best out of Henderson, you, you kind of need him in midfield, like, because he is the creator. Everything kind of goes through him. And I suppose, really, you know, with regards to Liverpool, I, I think Jota's still been out. Maybe, maybe a factor there as well because he's he, when he's in there, he makes the team tick. He just has uh, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, when when you consider the top, the um, the support, the um, most dangerous front three are supposed to be the most dangerous front three in the Premier League. They're just not firing on all cylinders. I mean, four four games there where they. They couldn't get a win, like, and we would have thought that this would have been the one that would uh, have brought the best out in Liverpool. And well, it brought out the best in them, all right, but they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, which is what it's all about. Well, that's what I mean by it going stale. I think they, I think they need to change things up a little bit, not necessarily from the four-three-three, but I think they need to be a bit more fluid up front. It'll be great when Jada comes back. I think Jada should come in for Firmino, play either Salah or Mane up front. I'd rather see Mane there, Jada on the left. Salah on the right, but look, they, they can have that bit of fluidity where Jada and Salah can switch, Salah and Mane can switch. So uh, I'd like to see that happen. I'd like to see Thiago play a little bit further up as well, because uh, he's look, he's he's not a young man anymore. Have th- th- this is kind of the difficulty, I suppose, that they're playing Henderson and Fabino as part of the back too. So it'll be it'll be much better when either Gomez or Matip comes back. We know Van Dijk's out for the long haul, but have. The likes of uh, have the likes of Milner 
and Wijnaldum doing that pressing role in midfield, being pure defensive midfielders, give the ball to the likes of Thiago, Salah, Mane, Jota when he's back. I don't think Firmino has it in him anymore. I don't think he's. I think he's. Look, I, I, I think it was a masterstroke by Klopp originally to move him into the number nine position, but he's not a number nine player. Defenders have figured out how to play against him. And look, it is difficult for Liverpool this season because teams are really sitting back against them. And that's obviously going to be more difficult. That's why you have to put Thiago further up so he can play more incisive balls further up. No point having Thiago back on the, on the halfway line playing balls if if ever, if there are 11 men, 10 men behind the ball. There's no, there's no point doing that. You need to push him further up. So you need to have him up there closer to Mane and Salah and whoever it is playing for him at the moment. It's going to be Firmino. Could be Origi. Maybe it's time to give Origi a bit of a goal. I think we all remember his yeah, famous goals in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, they need a goal. They need someone to score. So maybe it's going to be Origi. That's it. Because, I mean, really, when you look at uh, when you when you look at Origi, right, yeah, he mightn't be, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he could be, I think, you know, he's gone kind of stale, but he, he'd be ripe for an opportunity because he must be dying to get, to get his chance. And, uh, you know, especially with... Uh, you know, all, all three, all three of Liverpool's forwards uh, misfiring or not firing on all cylinders. Well, this this is his. This could be his opportunity because I mean, we all remember he doesn't score a lot, but um, Origi doesn't score a lot, but he does score. He does score important goals, and uh, you know, a key. T- he scores a key times when 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 the pressure is really on, and we see we've seen that in the past. And maybe it's wonder kind of that. I'm not criticising Klopp, but you know it's it's a wonder they didn't give him more of a chance. And I think, uh, you know, what Liverpool fans and I suppose what Klopp wouldn't do to to have Ings back as well. That was kind of a, a mistake selling him. But you see, at the time, Salah, Mane, and uh, Firmino were firing on all cylinders, so there was no, there was never going to be a place in the team. So he probably had to go. But uh, you know, there's there's that to it too, isn't it? Well, I suppose no one really expected Danny Ings to become the best striker in the Premier League. I don't think that was really, uh, I don't think that was really on the cards for anyone. You would have, you would have had to be, if you, if you could have predicted that, I'll ask you the lotto numbers. But uh, yeah, I, I, look, I think it's either move Firmino back into a more midfield, attacking midfield role and move Mane and Sally in. Then you have a problem with Wish because Robertson and Alexander Arnold can't go forward as much because they have to protect Fabino and Henderson. They don't have Van Dyke there. So I think you have to leave Mane and Salah. You need to leave someone where Mane and Salah are, even if it's Jota. But yeah, I play Origi, I mean, because like I say, he doesn't score a lot. He's not a prolific striker, but he knows where to stand. And sometimes that's what you need, even if a striker's not scoring goals. We saw it in the Champions League final. Everyone expected Lewandowski to score. Lewandowski was off- occupying two defenders that allowed Coleman to run in the back and the header the ball in and uh, scored a winner. And that's what you need, even if Origi isn't scoring. He knows where to stand in the right place. He's more of a striker than Firmino. He can occupy defenders, and that allows Mane and Salah to get a more space. And if you're playing out at Thiago Alcantara a little bit further up, he can he can find either of them. So, uh, yeah, I definitely look at. I, de- I definitely think they just need to change something. And you know, maybe it's maybe it's because this is kind of the first time Klopp's had that. I mean, he's he's his system's been grand. He hasn't always had the players, but his system's been grand. Maybe this is the first time. Klopp kind of has to bring in something a little bit new because um, I mean, look at looking at Man United, they did have chances to win that game. Fernandez was having an off day. If he was a little bit more on form, and that, that's a problem itself for for uh, Man United that when Fernandez isn't playing, they don't tend to win games. 
And when he isn't playing well, they don't tend to win games. I think it was a game for Van de Beek. I would have loved to have seen, well, I'm not a Man United fan, but I think uh, a Man United fan would have loved to have seen him come on. Um, I think they were a bit afraid at the start, the way they started McTominay and Fred. I think one of those would have done. I think they I think they should have been a bit braver, Man United, because, look, if they had won that game, they're six points clear of Liverpool, and they would have been title favourites. But I think with Man City's win and the way Man City are playing at the moment, and they have, they have the best attack. They're probably the best attacking team in the Premier League at the moment. Uh, so I, I think uh, Man City, I'd make them the title favourites. Don't think United are going to sustain a challenge. I think Ali just wants to win something. I think he's going to go for the FA Cup. He's going to go for the Europa League. I don't think he's going to arrest players, which I think is going to affect them. Uh, like if Fernandez gets injured, they're done. If Fernandez gets, gets injured, they're a mid-table team. Uh, so I, I think if... Uh, I think. Uh, Ali isn't going to rest players for those games, Europa League games, and uh, and FA Cup games. I think that's going to be a real struggle for them. I think, I think they just don't. I think Ali just doesn't have the experience of managing in a title race. I still think it's between Liverpool and Man City. That's not the right Man United off. They have a chance. I still wouldn't discount Tottenham or Leicester either. I think Jose Mourinho knows how to win a Premier League. Only thing about Leicester is, look, good time Brendan. He doesn't do it when the pressure's on. The pressure's going to be on in a title race. We saw it back in. I'm sure you won't thank me for reminding you about 2014. We do not let this slip. Uh, I'm sure those. I'm sure those words. Uh, those words ring around Liverpool's fans' heads. But uh, you know, Leicester. Uh, like I, I don't think he's the kind of coach who can who can kind of go all the way with a team that's under pressure. And Leicester are going to be under pressure in games. So I think ultimately it's down to Man City, Liverpool, or possibly Tottenham. That's it. Because I suppose really, if you compare the two managers. Jurgen Klopp and um, Oli Solskjaer. Like, I mean, Klopp has been there for four or five years and, uh, like, he's won the Champions League. He's won the the FA Cup. Or not the FA Cup. He's won the, Pre- he has won the Champions League. He has won the Premier League. So, I suppose out of the two of them, he'd be the, he'd be the most experienced. But I suppose really looking at the title race, it's kind of looking a bit more um, wide open at the moment. And I suppose really when you... When you look at the table, <clears throat> you know um, I know Man United are top at the moment, and but the way the way Man City are playing, you know Leicester City are third and Liverpool are fourth. But uh, let's not forget that um, Man City have a game in hand as well, and the way they're playing, the, the way they're playing at the moment, they, it looks like they could win that game in hand, and that would uh, really put the cat among the pigeons. They're playing uh, uh, in a few days, uh, and uh, I, it's not an easy game. But I think they're—I think they have the beating of Aston Villa, who have had a good season, and that's what's—that's what's good to see about the Premier League. That it's a fairly competitive league this season. It may ultimately end up being the usual suspects in the top four. I'd love to see someone like Leicester, Southampton, Everton sneak in there. Someone who's not in the Champions League every season. In fact, Leicester are the only team there that have been in the Champions League recently. Uh, I'd love to see that. Uh, my brother's a West Ham supporter, so I'm sure he'll be uh, he'll be rooting for them. But uh, we have, uh, you, know, you know, we have teams who potentially qualify for Europe. That's good for the Premier League. We don't want a case where it's the big six. I remember growing up, there was this hegemony, the big four. No one could break into the big four. There was the same teams in the Champions League every time. Only only Man United, Arsenal, and Chelsea could win the Premier League. We don't want that. No one wants that. It's the there's the most money in this league in the world. It's very easy for it to become 
kind of de facto ring fenced almost and the big teams consistently finish in Europe, consistently get the European money. It, it's great that I think Ralph Hassenhutl has done a fantastic job at Southampton ever since they lost 9 0 to Leicester last year. I think he's done fantastic at that. It would have been very easy for them to for them to just uh, for them to just down tools. But I think he's he's uh, probably probably yeah. I think whoever wins the league is going to win manager of the year. But I think Ralph Hasenhutl uh, would deserve a mention in that conversation. Aston Villa looked like they were going to get relegated last year. They probably should have been relegated. They're they're a very dangerous team this season. Uh, Tottenham look like they they've Tottenham look like they're going to win something this season. Uh, Liverpool, as they say, despite the fact they haven't been able to find the net in recent times, it's a bad run of form. It doesn't mean they're a bad team now. Everton, uh, Everton are uh, Everton have kind of figured out how to stretch teams a little bit. Uh, so the likes of James Rodriguez can drift inside a bit more. They made good signings. Chelsea, Chelsea are kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team at the moment. I mean, I, again, I don't think, like you said about Ali, I don't think Frank Lampard has that experience, and he hasn't really experienced a crisis yet. Um, and then, like you have teams like Leeds, are just really exciting to watch. I could watch Leeds play all day. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan of Bielsa. I've been a big fan of Bielsa since before he was in the Premier League, which makes me almost as cool as those who don't rate him. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's great that the Premier League is competitive because that's what we need. When money comes into the game, it's very easy for the same teams to dominate. We don't want that. We want to see different teams, and it's great that the title race is wide open. That's it, because I suppose really when you when you yeah just picking up on needs there, you know that they're they're usually a good team. They've been playing well since the start of the season, albeit like they lost to Liverpool in the first game. But they 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 build up like a kind of a sol- sol- piece of solid form. But uh, you know in recent games they kind of they're they're not as convincing. I mean that they lost in the FA Cup to. Uh, you know, to, to, to a much lower down team. And I think maybe that that defeat might maybe dash their confidence, dent their confidence a small bit. Uh, they're just finding it hard to get a win at the moment. They are, yeah. And they're, uh, look, they've, they've, they've scored 30 goals and they've conceded 34. So we know they're, they're, we know they're the kind of team that can win 3 0 or lose 3 0. That's just the way they play. I think they were, they were playing against, I think it was Burnley a few weeks ago and they played, uh, they played a sweeper in that game. They played a back three with a sweeper. I think that really suited them the way they play because they're a very open team. Yeah. I mean, we know Bielsa loves playing exciting football, uh, but it hasn't always worked out for him. I mean, at the end of the day, he was one of the favourites for the 2002 World Cup when he was matching Argentina and they went out in the group stage. So it doesn't always work out for them, uh, for Bielsa teams. And uh, maybe sometimes he's a little bit too romantic for his own good. But uh, yeah, I, I think ultimately, you know, you can be a bit too married to your system and sometimes you just need to change things up. I think they're better. I think, oh, I'm a fan of playing back trees anyway. I think they're a little bit better playing a back tree, playing their fullbacks as more wingbacks, more wide midfielders. Maybe they could do it with a second player up front as well because they're the, kind of, they're the kind of team that might need to outscore opponents at times because, you know, they, they only had two shots on goal against Brighton in their last game. That's not a that's not a great return against a team like Brighton, who also only had two shots on goal. They had, they had a good bit more possession in that game as well. Uh, so you know maybe they maybe they need to maybe they need to just drop someone a little bit further back, make it a back three, a little bit more defensive, and uh, drop another person up front because uh, maybe they try to play a bit too much football at sometimes. There's no harm in going direct sometimes. Just get the ball up there and get someone get someone's head on it. That's it because. Um... But they, as you were saying there, that, that's a good way of playing. But 
you, you kind of have to you you kind of have to have the quality up front then to, to finish off the chances. But uh, yeah, so move, moving on to the um, moving on to the Spartan, moving over to Spain. Then uh, there's the Spanish Cup and the Spanish title race, but also um, Athletic Bilbao beating um, Barcelona. A bit of a shock result, or is it? I'd say it is, but based on based on the game, Athletic Bilbao were the better team, and you know Barcelona have had a bit of a crisis of confidence recently and a bit of an identity crisis. But uh, look, uh, you can't take it away from Bilbao the way they play. They uh, they've moved to they they got a new manager in there uh, just on the fourth of January, uh, Marcelino Garcia Toral. Yeah, he, uh, he actually beat Barcelona in the Copa del Rey final a few years back with Valencia. And he's he's changed he's changed the system. Atleti used to tend to play Athletic Club, I should say. Uh, don't want to upset Atleti Madrid fans, uh, but uh, they used to more play kind of a four-two-three-one. That wasn't really working out for them. Now they're playing more four-four-two. They're more compact. They had way less possession in both the semi-final and the final. The Super Copa de España used to just be a two-leg tie between two teams. They re- they revamped it for last season. They uh, made it so the two. Uh, Cup finalists from the previous season and the two the top two teams in the league are the next two teams in the league if those are the same teams as the cup finals. And now it's four teams in the semi-finals, winner plays in the final. It was in Sevilla this year. Uh, the four four two has made them more compact. They're playing really good football at the moment without having a lot of ball. It's a very difficult thing to do against Barcelona. So I really think they have a good they're they're twelfth in the league, they're a bit off Europe, but I really think they have a good chance. They they were they were looking down behind them at relegation there. Earlier in the season, uh, if you didn't see Anaki Williams' goals, who's been there for a long time, have a look at have a look at him. I mean, he had a fantastic goal. I, I can see a big a big team uh, snapping them up. The reason I love this story is Atleti are the oldest team in Spain. They uh, got started by a group of Spanish who were over in who had been over in England, and uh, they, they this is back in the late eighteen hundreds. Uh, they started uh, they started up a football club, Athletic Club Bilbao. Uh, and uh, they this is only their second trophy that century. This century, they they um, they won. The, they actually won the Super Cup against Barcelona back in 2015. Barca had won the Champions League that season, uh, and uh, you know they they were but they were in trouble. They've never been relegated, but they're in a little bit of trouble there. Of they're looking behind their shoulder. They've been on the decline since since then. Uh, since a few European appearances, uh, some might remember them playing in the Europa League final a while ago. But look against Real Madrid, who they beat. In the semi-finals and against Barcelona, everyone would have expected an El Clasico final. Look, they par- they didn't park the bus. They put men behind the ball and hit them on the break. It was an energetic performance. That- that's what that's what you need when you're a club like Athletic Club, who only signs players from the Basque region or who trained in the Basque region. You need to get this mindset into all your players that they have to die for the jersey, and they did that. And just on the final, uh, Lionel Messi got sent off for the first time in his Barcelona career. He had only had two red cards in his career before that, both for Argentina, one in his debut against Hungary and one in a Copa, Copa America final against Chile. I'm sure you won't want to remember either of those games. But uh, yeah, basically swung an athletic club player. And I think that kind of summed up Barcelona's frustration and maybe Messi's frustration because he's been linked with uh, PSG now. We're going to get to PSG in a minute. But uh, he's been linked around uh, with, uh, he's been linked with, a re- with being reunited with Pep Guardiola as well. So you know he's uh, he looks like he wants to he looks like he wants to get out. He looks like he's frustrated. Maybe it's a bit of a late career crisis in that. Maybe he's realised if he had played for a few more teams other than Barca like Ronaldo did, maybe he would have 
had his success a bit more spread out in his career because aside from that 2009 to kind of 2012 Spain, uh, where Barcelona pretty much were the best team, one of the best teams we'd ever seen. Maybe they haven't quite they haven't quite achieved as much as they should have since then. Uh, as for the title race, well, Atletico, Atleti de Madrid are still top. They're top by four points. They have a game in hand. They've only lost one game this season. They're really uh, they're they're really on form. Uh, I think that's something Diego Simeone is good at. He's good at getting players to buy into a system. Real Madrid not quite not quite flowing as much as I thought they would be after winning the league last season. Uh, you know, Real Madrid are maybe in a bit of a transitional time. Like Karim Benzema is 34. He's still their best attacking player. Since losing Ronaldo, they haven't been that great. Uh, I think they're, I think they're kind of a few of their players are getting older, like some Modric and Kroos, uh, Ramos as well, who uh, looks like he might be on his way over the summer. Varane's not having a good season. They're, uh, they're having an injury crisis in the full-back position. Uh, they let a guy go uh, to Dortmund. Uh, who's he's now at Inter, uh, Hakimi. I'm sure they'd love to have him back. But, uh, you know, they have a few young players like the likes of Valverde, the likes of uh, Rodrigo, the likes of Vinicius Jr., who just quite aren't quite at that level yet. But I I think they're just lacking that little spark. And I think this is Atleti's year. They're the most... They're the team that's playing the best football at the moment. They're um, And like I say about Athletic Club, who I do think will get Europe this season, they're all willing to die for their jersey. Yeah. Uh, Real having quite a good season as well. Uh, they were struggling last year, but they're in the top four this season. Might make a return to the Champions League. And Real Sociedad, who obviously play Manchester United in the Europa League, well, they're uh, they're they're a good young team. Maybe just lacking a bit of experience. Uh, they're uh, level on points with Sevilla, who are both in the uh, Europa League and Europa Conference places respectively. Uh, looking at the other end of the table, um, well, it's uh, it's kind of uh, mostly as you would expect, except maybe Valencia, who are only three points clear of the relegation zone so not having a great year uh, for Valencia but uh, it's pretty much as you'd expect the likes of Huesca Osasuna Elche Valladolid and Alves down down that end of the world uh, I want to mention Cadiz CF who've beaten both Real Madrid and Barcelona this season uh, they're uh, well they're kind of they're doing it their own way I mean they're they're playing uh, they've only scored 15 goals they've conceded 22 but they've they've eked out a few wins and they're probably going to be safe this season that's it. But I suppose really looking at Barcelona, finally, before we move on to the next section, looking at Barcelona, I know they have some world-class players and that, but <clears throat> they don't seem to be kind of in the form that we be, we would have usually, we have, um, we're used to seeing them in where they were, remember like four or five years ago, they'd be blowing teams away. Teams would be nearly afraid to play them, you know, because they were so brilliant. And I mean, even like, you know, they played Liverpool in the Champions League the year Liverpool won it. And everyone thought that they'd uh, that uh, Barcelona had a one in the first leg, and then Liverpool came out in the second leg, and uh, you know did what was needed, and they went on to win it. But uh, do you think is it time, despite the fact that there's like you know you have the likes of uh, you 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 know you have the, the the players that they have? Do you think it's is is it time to re start rebuilding Bar- the Barcelona squad again, and maybe? Kind of, you know, maybe sell some of the players and that's there, and bring in new players, or bring maybe promote some of the the very good players from the academy. I think so. I think it's time to cash in on. Like Messi doesn't want to be there. Cash in on him. Get money while you can, because if he gets an injury at his stage in his career, you know he's he's probably going to struggle. I mean, uh, looking at looking at, they do have some good young players. Like they have the likes of Pedri Gonzalez. 
who's the kind of player who can do that kind of midfield playmaking role, a bit like Iniesta and Xavi. Not saying he's going to be as good as either of them, but uh, he's uh, he's not a million miles away from them. Uh, they're still going to blow. They're just they're just not doing it against the bigger teams. Like you said, I don't think anyone really fears them any, anymore. Uh, Ansu Fadi is injured, unfortunately. He was having a great time. I'd love to see him back. He's the kind of player you can build a team around. Like, it's just a lot of players are just struggling. Like, the likes of uh, Longley looked like he was going to be a top, top uh, centre-back. He's just having a bad time. He was suspended there. Uh, Sergio Roberto seems to be at a bit of a crossroads. Maybe it's time for him to move on. They saw, they sold Melo Arthur, which I think is bizarre. He looks like he's going to be one of the best midfielders in the world. But, yeah, like, looking at how they play, I mean, Ter Stegen's kind of the only player who's still doing it for them. I think they need to build a team around the likes of the young Pedri Gonzalez, Ansu Fadi. Uh, they, they made a good signing in Sergio Dest, who they brought in from Ajax. He can play in either fullback position. That was a good signing. Uh, I think they need a centre-back because uh, Piquet's, Piquet's past it and uh, Longley is not doing it at the moment. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you just look at sign a few young players. Don't be signing the likes of Pjanic. Don't be signing the likes of, the likes of Graysman, who have who have already peaked. I mean, sign a few young players who can buy into the system and peak. A little bit later, uh, Osman Dembele is a bit of an enigma. I mean, he had a he he was very highly rated when he signed, and it just hasn't happened for him at the moment. He was very good at Dortmund, just isn't working out for him at the moment. Uh, and then looking at it, yeah, I think they need to just focus on you again, bring in experienced players who are going to do kind of a kind of like the Sergio Busquets role or winning the ball back. But uh, in terms of in terms of the exciting talent, they should be buying much younger players than the likes of Pjanic and Griezmann. I think it's time to sell Griezmann. Thinks he's I I, I don't think he's uh, I don't think he suits the Barcelona team. Coutinho is another one that just hasn't worked out for him. He actually scored for Bayern Munich against Barcelona last season when he was on loan. Uh, but yeah, I think they just really need to rebuild. Like to sum it up, Jordi Alba is still playing left back. He's still their only left back really. Uh, so yeah, I think they're really. They're just struggling for a bit of identity at the moment. I don't think they know who they are anymore. And who they were in the past were a team that brought up young players. And we have to remember they had an excellent generation of Busquets, Iniesta, Xavi, Piquet, Mascherano. Well, Mascherano didn't come through the youth system. But they had a fantastic generation of talent there. And it's, it's rare you're going to get that twice in a, in a decade. But at the same time, yeah, I think they just need to rebuild the team a little bit. Uh, maybe maybe focus on a slightly different style of play because they've been linked with players like Aguero and that's not who they should be signing an injury-prone striker in his 30s. They should be signing younger talent. They've been linked with Memphis Dubai, which I think would be a very good signing. I think he'd suit them. So, uh, yeah, I think they need to kind of build around these younger players and, uh, you know, I don't know whether Messi's going to say. I think Busquets shouldn't really be starting uh, as regularly as he does at this stage in his career. But uh, I think they need to build around the likes of Pedri, De Jong, Fadi, uh, possibly Dest. I think Ter Stegen has a good few years left in him. He's a world-class goalkeeper. But yeah, I think they need kind of a whole, a big clear-out and uh, to bring in some young talent. That's it. And moving on to uh, moving on to uh, Pochettino taking, takes over at PSG. Very experienced manager, very experienced manager, but uh, the good thing is, you know, at the state, this stage of his managerial career, even though he has uh, some good, great experience, you know, managed Spurs and a few other clubs, there's still plenty of him to learn. There's still plenty for him to learn. Yeah, yeah, he's not a he's experienced, but I wouldn't call him an old manager. Like, uh, I think he was really unlucky at Tottenham to not win things, yeah. and uh, 
you know, uh, they like they, the fact that he got them to a Champions League final was a miracle in itself. Ajax should have beaten them in that semi final. But looking at PSG, he's already won a trophy. He won the he won the uh, French Super Cup, uh, Trophy de Champs. Uh, so he's he's already won a trophy. He, he didn't win anything in two thousand days at Tottenham. It, it only took him twelve days to win something at PSG. I can see why he took the job because I think he was frustrated at not having the backing at Spurs. I think he was he didn't really have enough money. I mean, he didn't. He, they didn't want to make any big signings. It seems like Tottenham were the kind of team they'd make one big signing every maybe three or four years. If you're looking to build a title challenging team, you need to be doing that quite a bit. Uh, you need to be making big signings pretty much every season. So I think I think he was frustrated there, and that's why he took the PSG job because now he has now he has all the money in the world. I mean, PSG aren't aren't short for money. Looking at PSG, uh, Messi's been linked with them. Christian Eriksen's been linked with them. It, it really hasn't worked out for Christian Eriksen at Inter. Deli Ali's been linked with them, uh, and he does seem to suit Pochettino's style of play. Like looking at the way they lined up. Uh, he played Neymar a little bit more with Ron in the centre. I think he's given them that bit of freedom himself and Mbappe to kind of do what they like because they're those kind of players. Their egos need to be massaged a little bit. Uh, Di Maria also featured there. I think Di Maria is a really important uh, player for that team because uh, the opposite of Neymar, he has no ego at all. He doesn't consider himself a superstar. Uh, Verratti, if you can get him back on form, he's one of the best midfielders in the world. I think they need another centre-back, but they have Marquinhos there, who, again, can step into midfield. Uh, so, yeah, they need a few signings. I said it before on this show. Their squad's not as impressive as it should be for a team with all that money. But they're, you know, they, they need a few signings, but I think he's, he's going to win the league with them. I think once he wins, I think now that he's won something, I think he's not going to stop winning. I think they'll do the domestic treble or quadruple, if you want to count the trophy the champs. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the Champions League. I just don't think they have the character to win the Champions League, to be honest. I really question their character. Bayern Munich weren't great in the final against them. They had chances in that final, and they, but they looked like they were a bit frightened of Bayern Munich. I don't think they're up to the occasion yet. Can Pochettino instill that attitude in them? That's a good question. Don't see them winning a Champions League for at least four years. But they have the money to do it. And uh, yeah, I think Pochettino is going to be a dangerous manager now because... Uh, He's a very good manager and he has money at his disposal. He could he's they're one of the teams that could bring in the likes of Messi. So I think um I think if they bring in some uh, some good, exciting young talent, uh, you know, I, I I they haven't brought up a lot of players in the in in recent years through a youth system. Maybe that's something they need to invest in a little bit more. But uh yeah, I I do think PSG will uh will be a more of a force to reckon with in Europe now under Pochettino. That's it. And uh, then moving on to uh, the Bundesliga title, Serie A, and some transfer Yeah, so start with Bundesliga. Bayern Munich got back to winning ways. A big shock. They got knocked out of the cup to a lower uh, lower tier team. Uh, so they won't be doing the treble this season anyway. But uh, got back to winning ways there against Freiburg. Uh, uh, Dortmund and uh, Leipzig dropped points. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen lost as well. So uh, they're pulling away a bit four points said it before as well, uh, keep in mind there's only 34 games in the Bundesliga rather than 38 in most top European leagues. It's, uh, it's Bayern tend to do this. They tend to be grand for the first start of the season. They might lose a few games, but then they really pull away in the second part of the season. They click into form. That's going to make them very dangerous in the Champions League as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think they'll go on and win it. RB Leipzig, 
Yeah, I don't know. They're uh, they're better defensively than people think they are, but they're 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 a selling club ultimately. They're a club that buys players and sells them on. They're probably going to lose the likes of Uba Makano, who's one of the best young defenders in the world. Uh, he's good at playing out from the back. Uh, they're uh, they're probably excelling, having lost Werner, who I uh, think has struggled at Chelsea. Bayer Leverkusen is an interesting one. They're putting up a title challenge despite losing their best player uh, also to Chelsea last season, Kai Havertz. Dortmund, uh, if they can get Haaland firing, I think they'll, uh, I think they'll uh, challenge. But uh, Union Berlin, uh, only their second ever season in the top flight. Uh, they're uh, the only ever East Berlin team to quali- to uh, play in the Bundesliga, and well, uh, they're one point off Champions League places, so they're doing well. Uh, Mönchengladbach struggling a little bit in the league, uh, lost uh, d- despite doing very well in the Champions League. Uh, drew uh, against Stuttgart, conceding a late goal, so. Yeah, I think it's Bayern's to lose from here. Uh, but look, the cup is still there. The cup is very open. Uh, Leipzig, Leverkusen, Dortmund, Munchen, Gladbach all still in the cup. All of those will be eyeing up the cup. I wouldn't be surprised if they start resting players a little bit in the league to try uh, to try focus on a cup ahead of cup games because uh, you know they 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 won silverware. Silverware is hard to come by for uh, German teams because Bayern have been so dominant. So uh, yeah, I think I think it's going to be ultimately same again. Bayern Munich ninth season in a row looks like they're going to win the league. Uh, just a word on the cup draw. It takes place in a few weeks, the first week of February. Uh, well, um, looking at it, uh, RB Leipzig play Bochum, Dortmund play Paderborn. They'll both be favourites to win that game, so they'll be backing themselves to go on and uh, get to the quarterfinals. Once you're in the quarterfinals, you can win any cup competition. Um, uh, Leverkusen also playing lower tier opposition in uh, RWSN and uh, Mönchengladbach playing against Stuttgart whoever wins that game will be uh, looking uh, will be looking uh, at uh, Cup glory as well so uh, look being out of the Cup I think makes Bayern Munich even more likely to win the league because they have less games so don't think anyone's going to don't think anyone's going to pride the trophy off Munich um, again but uh Robert Lewandowski, who uh, we've we've all probably heard of Robert Lewandowski at this stage, uh, he became the first player to score 21 goals in the first 16 matches in the Bundesliga. Scored again on the weekend against Freiburg. Only took him seven minutes. He's just never going to stop scoring. It seems like he could be retired for 10 years and will still be scoring goals. That's it, and uh, you know it's it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. And of course, uh, the Serie A, Serie A is very interesting. Yeah, indeed, it is. Uh, AC Milan and Inter. Uh, well, we we kind of have an old style Milan derby for the for the title race. Milan lost their uh, first game this year, uh, this season against Juventus, uh, who are seven points off the title race, off the to- at the top. Uh, I don't think they're. I don't think they're going to win the league for a tenth year in a row. I don't think Perlo. Pirlo kind of is experienced enough to have that job, but uh, yeah, it looks to be between Milan and Inter. Inter are an interesting one. They have a few players who didn't, like uh, the likes of Ashley Young and Romelu Lukaku, who didn't really settle in at Manchester United, but they're really doing the business at Inter, and it, uh, it goes to show you sometimes it's more about the system you play uh, to suit these players. Uh, Romelu Lukaku has been a revelation as well. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully if the Euros goes ahead this summer, hopefully you'll have a very good Euros for Belgium. I think Inter. I think Inter are probably favourites, despite the fact they're second on goal difference. Just because uh, they beat they beat Juventus there on the weekend, they're probably a stronger team. Milan. Uh, Milan had a drastic downfall there since uh, since uh, 
since winning the winning their last Champions League all the way back in 2007. Uh, they've they've had a drastic downfall. They haven't won the league in a long, long time. Uh, you know they're they've they've struggled, but they have a good young team led by someone who's not very young, but probably thinks he is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, he's still scoring goals. They've been good defensively as well this season. So I think uh, I think AC Milan are. Are, um, are are good value to push on. Napoli aren't a million miles away either. Uh, Roma are in there too. Atalanta haven't quite been on the haven't quite been the team they were last season. Maybe it's hard for them to keep it up. Papu Gomez, one of their best players, looks like he's might be on the way out. Sassuolo, who were kind of a surprise package early in the season, have kind of slipped back a little bit into mid table. But to be honest, they take that. They take mid-table because they're probably going to be one of the teams looking at relegation. Lazio struggling this season, probably uh, probably with uh, focusing on the Champions League as well. They're still in the Champions League. They play Dortmund. If I had to pick between Milan and Inter, I, I'm going to go romantic and say Milan. I think uh, I think many people would like to see Milan come back into the Champions League, and we will likely see them in the Champions League next season. But uh, yeah, Inter uh, maybe maybe a little bit of an unsettled team as well. Some of their players seem to be itching to get away a little bit but uh yeah i think uh i think uh, it's uh, i think i think it's an interesting title race and it's worth worth keeping an eye on that's it and finally on the the transfer news yeah and indeed um biggest one i suppose uh, revolves around Kylian mbappe uh well he's uh he's been linked with real madrid looks like real madrid are going to have to sell a few players uh, the players are looking likely to sell to get in Mbappe. Gareth Bale, Marcelo, Luka Jovic, who's actually gone back to Eintracht Frankfurt on loan. Uh, Isco, Danny Sabalas, and Brahim Diaz. None of them really none of them really prominent players at Real Madrid. Uh, I'll have to say that about Gareth Bale, considering he scored a wonder goal and he, he scored in two Champions League finals for them. Uh, but it, it just feels like, it's like we're in Real Madrid, they don't really know how to use their squad because they have a big squad, plenty of young players. So many times we've seen them, so many young players. Like Isco was really exciting when he was coming through. Amos Rodriguez looked like he was going to be one of the best players in the world. And it just doesn't happen for them. I don't know why. It's Maybe it's a coaching thing. Maybe they have a habit of putting out players. They're more managing egos than managing players. Uh, and they, they don't really coach. They don't really coach a system. Like uh, trying to think about uh, their four their four Champions Leagues in five seasons. Can't really tell you what system they played because it was more it was more about putting a really good team out there to just outscore teams. But uh, I do think Mbappe would suit Real Madrid. I think it would be better for him to play alongside a selfless player like Benzema rather than a kind of superstar like Neymar. I do think he would. I think his pace would cause teams problems. But they, they need to bring through a few players. They obviously has had injury pressure. If you have a defensive destroyer in uh, in the in world football at the moment, like I think if you have those two uh, there, if you're holding on to a one 0 win in the Champions League, I think that's really that's impossible to score against them in front of Sergio Ramos and Rafael Varane. Uh, they just need a little injection of something. Maybe they maybe they need someone else alongside Kylian Mbappe. They need that spark in midfield as well. Don't think Valverde is quite there yet. They need someone who's going to do the modular troll or creating chances in the cruise role. Uh, so yeah, it looks like they're having a bit of a clear out, probably for the best, because it's not good for the team to have a lot of players who aren't getting game time and don't want to be sitting around there. So I expect them to make a few signings uh, between this January window and next summer as well. 
Uh, and uh, just a few other uh, few other transfer news. Uh, Wolves have been told they have no money to spend, so it looks like Nuno's going to pretty much have to settle for what he has, uh, which isn't isn't a bad thing. As I said, PSG are linked with Deli Ali. Uh, I think that would be a good signing. And uh, Pep Guardiola uh, will apparently have two hundred million to spend in the summer. And uh, well, he's linked with Romelu Lukaku. Maybe that's what they need—an out-and-out striker. Uh, they have a lot of fancy wingers. They need a big, a big man up front. Romelu Lukaku's a big boy. You can header in the ball. He's a powerful player. Maybe they need him to hold up the ball a little bit to let the fancier wingers uh, do their job. Elsewhere, uh, Haller, obviously Sebastian Haller, obviously moved from West Ham to Ajax. I think that's a good sign for Ajax. Didn't really suit West Ham's play. I think he's more of a striker who needs. To play in a front two or a front three rather than a four-two-three-one. Don't think he can really do that lone striker real well. I think he needs a partner. Uh, Memphis Dubai is still very much linked with Barcelona. He's only 26. He still has time in his career. Didn't work out from at uh, didn't work out from at Manchester United for whatever reason. Maybe he could be a bit of a Mo Salah. Maybe he's uh, the kind of player who Mo Salah obviously played for Chelsea. Maybe he's the kind of player who could. Uh, play for a big club and then uh, it doesn't work out for him, makes a move to a smaller club, then returns to a bigger club. Uh, and um, yeah, indeed, uh, there's a, there's a, there's, there's, it doesn't look like it's going to be a very busy window this year. It may be in the smaller, in the lower leagues, but uh, not so much in the big leagues because obviously with the coronavirus, a lot of teams are uh, kind of facing, facing uh, financial problems and, uh, you know, they can't afford to spend millions and millions uh, that they might normally do. One interesting piece of transfer news, uh, Napoli defender Kalidou Koulibaly. Uh, he's very much linked with Liverpool, Man City and Man United. Don't see him going to Liverpool. Don't see because uh, Napoli want $100 billion for him. Don't see Liverpool playing, paying $100 billion for a 29-year-old uh, that hasn't been their transfer style. I think he'll go to Man City and that would be a good sign for them because uh, they probably need another centre-back to go alongside Laporte and Ruben Diaz. I think a back three would really suit them. That back three would be very difficult to break down. Uh, if they play a back three with Rodri in front of them, they can go more attacking in the rest of the field. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it doesn't look like we're going to see a lot of a lot of uh, transfers. It just seems that uh, we're not going to see any records broken for transfers this time around, just uh, due to the current, uh, well, the pandemic, the financial situation, no fans in the stadiums. It's obviously a difficult time, so probably, probably a quieter transfer window, but uh, possibly lively again over uh, over the summer. That's it, and I suppose I know it wasn't on the thing that we were to discuss, but uh, yeah, in, the, in recent weeks there, um, you know, Stephen, um, you know, the, the, in the Ireland team, they've had, uh, Stephen Kenny has lost two, two very uh, highly thought of coaches in, um, first of all, Damien Duff decided to jump ship um, for whatever reason that, that wasn't disclosed, and also then... Uh, Former Republic of Ireland goalkeeper and uh, well up until recently, uh, goalkeeping coach with the with the Irish national team. Um, you know both have uh, stepped down from their roles. It hasn't really there hasn't been any reasons that have come out. But would you say that maybe that maybe they've both both lads have had offers from other clubs or something or you know because it's it's very strange. Maybe do you know what it could be? Maybe maybe they were. The lack of matches because you know there was due to be games coming up and all that and with COVID at the moment and that that it's not looking like there's going to be any international games 
soon, do you think? Possibly, you think yeah. Um, I think as well, it's quite a job to rebuild Ireland at the moment. It's going to take time. Uh, I don't think we're going to qualify for the next World Cup. Uh, look, we could talk about whether we should be, anyone should be supporting a World Cup in Qatar uh, with the human rights violations that have gone on and building the stadiums. But I don't think, uh, I, I, I think it's the kind of thing, I, I think Stephen Kenny's still the right man because I think he's the right man to rebuild. He's completely different uh, any coach we've had in recent years. He actually wants us to play football. But I, it's, it's quite the job and it's going to involve betting in players like the likes of Aaron Connolly, Adam Eda, and Troy Parrott, just to name three attacking players, they're all still young and they all still need to be bedded in. They need a lot of coaching. You don't have the time to coach these players at international level. It's quite a hard job. At the end of the day, club management is probably easier in the sense that you have more time with the players because you can bed in a philosophy. Stephen Kenny, you look at he's been in charge since well, last March, but he, he hasn't had that many games. He hasn't had that much time. And it can take you can it can really take a whole campaign to bed in your philosophy. I mean, you look at uh, look at Flans, and then uh, you know they had I mean, uh, they qualified 2016. They did quite well. They qualified for the World Cup in 2018, the Men's World Cup, and uh, you know they it took a little bit of building. It took a little bit of while. Like they were, they, they didn't just come out of nowhere in 2016 and qualify for the Euros. If you're, if people were paying attention, they'd see they got better and better over a few qualifying campaigns. Almost qualified for the World Cup in 2014, lost the playoff to Croatia, and then they got their breakthrough. That might be what we're going to go through here. We might, we're not going to qualify for the World Cup in my view. I don't think we will. Even if we do manage to beat Serbia to second spot, I don't think we'll win a playoff. I don't understand the playoffs with the Nations League. I don't think anyone does, but uh, we seem to have about five chances of qualifying for the last Euros. Um, long may it continue, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't think we're going to qualify because I think there are stronger teams in the group than us in Portugal and Serbia. But that's okay because we can. We should be aiming for Euro 2024. By the time the Euro 2024 qualifiers come around, we want to see these young players have gotten a chance. They've been bedded in. The likes of Troy Parrott, Aaron Connolly, Jason Malumbi, <laughs> Adam Ida. Uh, Josh Cullen is a player I really rate. He can do the midfield destroyer role. He can do the midfield creating role, not just because he used to play for Charlton. But he, um, you know, I think we need to we need to give these players time because they're still young. This isn't a video game where you sign some young player and he scores a hundred goals a season. This isn't that. This is real life, and it takes time for players to bet in. Yeah. And I think he needs to be given that time. And maybe these coaches thought, you know, maybe maybe they're not right for it. I don't know. I I, I don't I don't know when these coaches personally. I'm not going to make assumptions about them. But I think it can be stressful when you're facing this kind of job, especially when it's international football and you don't have the team which every day. So. To be honest, I think we need the right kind of coach and staff. I think it'll be good if Stephen Kenny can bring in his own people anyway. That's it, because I suppose really uh, looking at it, it is, is, you know, with a new manager, when a new manager comes in, you know, and the, the way the performance, like we've been playing well enough, you, you know, in some games, unlucky, I suppose, not to beat Serbia in, in that uh, semi-final of the playoffs, but... Uh, you know, I think maybe that affected the morale a bit as well. Um, but between now and the, as you said, the Euro twenty twenty four, it's about rebuilding, and hopefully, by the time it comes to that campaign, we can uh, we can have a, str- a squad good enough because some of the youth players, some of the young players that are coming through that have been playing for the Republic of Ireland at under twenty level, under eighteen level, and all that, and then you know if they were doing well at their clubs, then. You know that would bring them on, and uh, I suppose there's plenty of time. There's what four, three years, four years. So, 
uh, although you you would think that that's a long time, but really when you when you look at it now, with, with COVID and all that, there's not there's not as many matches being fitted. In. Well, they are being quite kind of cramped in because they have to. But I mean, on an average calendar year, you know, calendar year, there isn't as many games, and when there is, then they're all scrunched in together, and that's when players get injured. And we've discussed all that before, but uh, yeah, at the moment, I think for this Irish team, it, it's more about um, it's it's more about rebuilding, and they've uh, they've uh, well at this stage three years. Well, I suppose we could throw it, we could say four years to rebuild, and hopefully we'll have a a, a team that's that's capable of. Uh, Performing in 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 the and not alone qualifying, but maybe you know when we get when we get qualified for a tournament to actually be able to give game be able to give teams a game. But uh, yeah, it's it's. Going I think to be they will, yeah, and uh, you know, it's important we're giving it time, and it's important. It's always important to see the forest from the trees a little bit. I mean, it's not it's not a case of like I think I think a lot of a lot of armchair fans who play their video games and love repeating things they hear from pundits on TV don't actually understand that it's a process a process i mean it's it's going to take a little bit of time and that's okay but yeah. Stephen kennedy is a romantic <laughs> excuse me but uh yeah i think uh i think all in all we're gonna we're gonna see change come and and look it's 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 frustrating when your team's not winning and i'd love to see ireland score a goal to be honest no, never mind win a game but look at it, slovakia if we played that game again three more times we'd win it all three times and we could potentially, we'd be in a final looking to go for the Euros. Didn't play badly in the second half against England. They're a much more, they're, look, they're a technically better team and they're more settled than us. Uh, didn't play uh, didn't play badly against Bulgaria, just couldn't find the net. Uh, didn't play badly against Wales. We're probably the better team in the 1-0 loss to Wales. Uh, so, like, there have been glimpses there, but look, he hasn't had that long. I mean, it's it hasn't been that long in terms of international football. It's like you said, three or four years. That's nothing in international football. That's nothing. That's two major tournaments. That's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. So, listen. Thanks very much for uh, doing this week's Euro Soccer. Yeah. Thanks very much for having me, Aidan. Uh, hope all's well. Obviously, a difficult time in the country with the uh, lockdown, but hopefully, uh, hopefully, we get some football back back in uh, our own shores with the League of Ireland and Women's National League and the uh, Postable Stop Sport Top Blog and a Postable Sport. Please. Uh, Give us a look. Uh, thanks very much, Aidan. No problem. Thanks very much.